Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to TechPoint. Today our guest is Sonia, the head of platform and community at Crew Capital. Hello. Hi, hi Christian. How are you? Fantastic. Very excited to have you on the podcast. At first, Thank please you. tell us what is Crew Capital. Um, Crew is an active operator-led fund, community-driven venture capital company, co-founded um, two years and a half ago by Daniel Dines. Probably most of you know him. He's the co-founder of UiPath and also Brandon Deere, who's the CSO of UiPath. And we typically invest in entrepreneurs building category-defining B2B technologies um, companies. Um, I would say our main differentiator is that through the experience of building UiPath from basically zero to IPO, and the big network of operators who face similar company scaling challenges on a daily basis, we can help our founders with more than just capital. Um, this being said, we can be strategical. Um, for, an ex for as an example, help them define their go-to-market strategy uh, or connect them with advisors, customers, industry executives, uh, investors, um, who can help them scale easier. But we also are tactical at the same time. Um, like, let's help you find that go-to-market leader that will um, actually execute and implement that strategy we, we can build together. Um, I would say another big piece would be the empathy we have towards the founders, as we know how hard it is to build something unique and durable. Um, and Christian, to give you an example, one of our portfolio founders was telling us that when he jumps on a call with us, he can leave his CEO hat at the door and can actually share the issues he has while you know, reaching a certain goal without necessarily feeling judged and that he's certain that, you know, in some way or another, we'll find a way to, to help them. And I think that's core to what we do here at, uh, at Crew Capital. That's fantastic. So you have created a new category and you are helping founders that are creating uh, some, some form of uh, innovative company. So I really like that. Um, <laughs> how do you educate your founders? I wouldn't say that our aim is to educate the founders. Um, we do position ourselves better as advisors um, and highlighting to them basically which would be the pros and cons or sharing some lessons learned. Okay. Um, but ultimately, I think it's that like a C the CEO decision um, which road to to take ahead. Our aim is to help them more uh, with anything they need. So I highlighted earlier a couple of things we we can do for them. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe to be a bit more granular, for example, in my case, as I have a lot of experience in recruitment and HR. Um, I can either introduce the founder to a top recruitment agency, for example, or I can do the headhunting myself, mm -hmm. or I can share some best sourcing practices with their HR person. Um, and you can extrapolate these types of help um, to any top of mind issue from go to market, to marketing, fundraising, where, for example, we can make intros to other lending venture capital companies out there, or we can build together the, the narrative on how to sell their story to investors. On top of that, all the content we release is basically with the scope to give back to the founders community. Um, as an example, we have a series of interviews um, where we choose founders who have scaled billion dollar companies to share their perspective, their insights on scaling an organization, 
than challenges they face uh, and how they solve them or what they learned from them. Um, and I would say you normally f find a lot of information out there, um, but most of the time you hear only the good parts of the journey uh, after someone had success, but not necessarily the bumpy road they faced and how they got there. And that's something the founders really need. So these are a couple of ways we help them, but yeah. You explained it great. <laughs> I really like it. And I think you built a, a fantastic community and you work with so many founders. I'm curious to know what do you think uh, are their biggest mistakes that they do? <coughs> That's a tough question because <laughs> <laughs> I think ultimately it depends. They're, the founders are very different and they have very different experiences. Um, there are some common mistakes or I would say not necessarily mistakes, a lesson to be learned. Yes. Um, one of them would be sometimes they bring very experienced people too early in the team. Um, and this can cause frustration on both ends and obviously wasted time and, and resources. Um, here, my advice would be first to understand very well what you, you need um, that person to do after they, they join the company. Um, and hire maybe for that and the, a level above. Um, what I'm saying basically is if you are at the Series C stage um, and you need a sales leader, go find someone that has grown a company from Series B to Series C. They would be more, um, they would be more closer to the experience you need, but at the same time, they will be able to put also the strategy from zero to one and plan ahead. Um, also, another thing would be that, you know, there may be times where you feel as a founder that you can do better. Um, mm. And that's true. Uh, but at the same time, you can't take care of everything as you are just one person. So when you hire your leadership team, make sure that you empower them, that you trust them, and ultimately you help them to help you achieve your vision. Um, what else? Uh, something recurrent I'm hearing in my discussions with advisors okay. is listen to your customer. I know it may sound trivial and everyone says that, um, but as a founder, obviously you believe your product is the best and Yes, you definitely need to, to believe in what you are building. However, remember that the success of your product is deeply related to how the big, to how big the issue you are solving for the customer is. So, because at the end of the day, they are your user um, and you can have an amazing product with great features. However, if almost any, no one uses it, at the end of the day, it's just that, a nice product. <laughs> um, so before starting to, I don't know, build something and put all your money and time and effort into it, um, try to talk with 15, 20, 30 design partners, um, which are basically potential clients or people in the industry um, to, for you to, to understand basically what's the potential product market fit, what they need, and then while you build, ask for feedback nonstop. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. And now I love to hear something on the positive side, something <laughs> that is seen founders that are, uh, yeah, something good <laughs> that they do, that they're uh, generally good at. 
Well, what I've said earlier doesn't apply to all, all the founders. Some some of them actually nail it, so <laughs> it, it's great. Um, yep. But if there would be one trait I see in founders that like everyone has it is like sharing their passion and infecting you with their enthusiasm, either to build, to grow a team and so on and so forth. And I think that's also something fundamental that you need. Uh, believing in what you build, but it's also great to see that they are actually able to to share that. And now I'd like to talk more about UiPath. I'd like to hear the story of you, the company, if you can share it with us. UiPath right now is a leading business automation platform. Um, it was built in Romania. Um, it started, everything actually started in 2005. And then in 2013, listening to the feedback from their customers, pivoted towards building an RPA solution. Um, an R RPA stands for Robotic Process Automation. Um, since then, it became the fastest growing software company in the history, um, trashed all the leader boxes, to put it that way. Um, and it everything culminated with a very successful IPO in April 2021. Um, from what I'm hearing, um, most of people, most people would say that UiPath put Eastern Europe on the venture ecosystem and, um, it was one, actually it was the first company that reached unicorn stat status and then went to, to IPO in, in Eastern Europe. Incredible. Wow. And you are the uh, part of the journey. When did you join yes. the company? <laughs> um, I joined in 2017. I was actually the third member of the whole HR team. Right now, HR, the HR team, I think it's like 100, 200 people or something like that globally. Okay. Um, and it was the moment when UiPath starting, started expanding internationally. There were a couple of people in the US, mainly salespeople, a couple of people in the UK, Japan and India. And Marius Sistrate, who was back then the chief people officer at UiPath, he joined, I think, three or four months before me, um, reached out and basically brought me on, on board to to the technical recruitment and scale the, the Romanian tech team. Um, that's funny because day one in UiPath, I was actually building JDs in French with the newly hired uh, general manager of France. So that was basically the story of coming into UiPath. Um, so since I joined UiPath, I've worked together with colleagues across departments to take this company from 200 people, most of them in Romania, to more than 3,000 colleagues in over 30 countries globally from US, EMEA uh, to APAC. And that meant I was involved in the whole candidate and employee experience cycle from employer branding, recruitment, um, onboarding, uh, establishing benefits in different countries, data and systems implementations like Lever or Jobvite or iSIMS um, in the employee engagement part. Um, I've done performance reviews and, you know, iterated and iter reiterated this part learning and development, and unfortunately, um, offboarding. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, being, doing a bit of everything, it means, that's what it means to be, to be in a startup. What do you think is the most important trait for a HR person? 
Mm. Is it empathy? I see HR in the middle of everything, basically. Um, and one important trait, I would say, is adaptability and being flexible. Um, you, as, a, as an HR person, you work with a lot of people from your team, from your colleagues, from your um, from the employees uh, uh, of the organization to the VPs and the upper management. So you, you need to act as a sponge in order to make sure everything is equilibrated and um, help everyone while, you know, attending your, um, meeting your, your own objectives as, as well. So basically, yeah, I would say adaptability is, is very important. What would be your best piece of advice for a starting person working in HR, looking to, to work in a successful tech company? Um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily for only the an HR person. Okay. Um, I would say it's in general for everyone starting to to work and who who want to have like a successful career. Yes. What helped me um, along the way was um, the fact that I was really flexible. Um, that I tried to learn as much as I could from everything, and that meant sometimes that you know I got involved in things that were not necessarily in my job scope, but which helped me understand better the business perspectives as well as, you know, the team's perspectives. Um, and at the end of the day, in, in an early stage startup, you actually build your own path. So be there, be try to be trustful, um, you know, become that trusted partner um, to the people you work with. Absolutely, absolutely. How, how can one, uh, how can one manage to scale the organization while keeping uh, the culture intact because growing from 200 to 3000 is a lot <laughs> in a few years <laughs> we always had a saying at uipath um and that was find ui patterns in a specific country and not the other way around um which meant we knew exactly the main characteristics we want our new person or our new colleague to to have besides the technical skills or the expertise we also hired um how daniel would define it for chemistry mm -hmm. which is very important because you may have the best people in the market however if they can't work together then you're not going to be able to scale as fast as possible there will and especially when you're doing it internationally, there are other uh, aspects that come into play into that team culture. So, yeah, that was I think that's like the main thing that we um, we strive for. And then stick to your um, you know your values. Um, don't necessarily compromise on them. Obviously, those values and that company culture is going to evolve over time. You also need as an employee to evolve over time. Another thing that I had, I think it had a big impact um, was the fact that we were transparent with the people from the onset. Um, like a startup is not necessarily for everyone and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if you decide to move forward, um, then 
you as an employer need to say, hey, this is what we expect from you and this is what we can offer. I watched Daniel's uh, speech at Saster London and that was one of the key takeaways that he mentioned, choosing chemistry over performance of individual team players. So that's fantastic. I wanted to ask you, how do you describe the UAPF culture? One key point, I think <laughs> it's uh, humbleness, but apart from that, uh, um, <laughs> what well, did I say? I haven't been in UAPF for one year and a half now, so maybe I'm not up to date, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I would say that the culture has evolved a lot since the early days. Um, and I do, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super glad to see that some of the core tenets that define UAPF are still there. And yes, one of the things that you said is, uh, being humble and I see that in the people today as well um, when I'm talking to them there still are like yeah I learned so much uh, but there's still so much that I can learn and I think we've learned along the way to um, be really open and respectful in terms of how we exchange the ideas um, in terms of how you know we accept each other's opinions while we maybe not agree with them um, and it, that's something that hasn't changed um, another thing that I see is like that trust um, and I think it was there from day one also between us because otherwise we wouldn't have been able to achieve um, everything that we did and also between the the customers and that trust generates loyalty as uh, as well and I think that's that's something that's still there um, and last but not the least um, we always had that mindset of bringing ourselves to work with sometimes the good, the bad and the ugly, but at the same time, you know, helping each other a lot. Um, it's something super, super core to, to UiPath. And again, our clients also told us in numerous times that the UiPath team is like the most helpful of, <laughs> of them all, which is, you know, again, it everything is tight in a circle. So it goes back to that trustfulness that you build, uh, that that humbleness, that's the basis of all and and so on. That's amazing. And one thing I want I saw on your LinkedIn was that you hired 30 salespeople uh, in UK in one month. <laughs> I wanted to, to ask you more on that because it seems uh, unreal. <laughs> How did well, you do that? Yeah, <laughs> when we started that project, um, I remember that um, we had Blue Prism, which was and still is one of our competitors, and obviously they are based in UK. So they were like, um, we wanted basically to to be the number one RPA vendor in UK as well. One of the solutions was to to hire uh, as many salespeople as fast as possible, um, and I think it all comes down to that collaboration I was mentioning earlier. Um, our recruitment team was stretched thin at that point in time. I mean, we were hiring literally around 500 people every quarter, which is wow. a lot. Um, so when Daniel came with uh, with this, we said, okay, let's see, what are we going to do? So <laughs> <laughs> we went to, I went to London, I sat down with the um, uh, managing director of EMEA with the sales leaders um, there, and we defined uh, um, a very, 
I would say good now uh, after it was successful recruitment strategy uh, and we started implementing on it and that meant first calls maybe not necessarily always with the recruitment team um, but also with the sales leaders because mm. as I said we were stretched stretched in so we wanted to use uh, the time as efficient as possible um, that meant working with top tier um, recruitment agencies as well and you know us all of us working as partners. So it didn't mean that, hey, I'm the leader, I'm not gonna do anything. No, everyone rolled up their sleeves and either interviewed first time, third time, fourth time the, the candidates. Um, and as I said, we executed really, really well on, on a plan that we defined um, and it happened. I mean, <laughs> it worked. Yeah, great mindset. What was the strategy behind? So you also hired agencies firms. You did the. You also hired the HR firms. Yes. So you also did it yourself. Was, yes, it, it was internal recruitment from our colleagues uh, in the recruitment team. So to basically, it was me and two other colleagues, one based in Romania and one based in in France, and then we uh, we had also recruitment agencies because we needed but we needed to have a very big influx of candidates yes from the get-go so that's how we we started we had the, even though we had an ats and everything we actually had a big google docs form <laughs> everyone uh put their dates all the time there so data accuracy was super important because if I needed to see where we stand with the candidate at some point in time, I knew that document was very relevant. We had weekly calls uh, between all of us uh, regarding status, where we have, um, where we are, uh, what we are missing, what we need, and so on and so forth. Help given to each other, um, and this is how we pulled it off. Uh, at the end of the day, behind every recruitment strategy, there's a lot of organization executing on it, being very accurate, and obviously at some point adapting or pivoting if you see it doesn't uh, it doesn't work. Absolutely, but basically you hired 500 people a quarter with uh, only three employees, only three HR. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, in general, at UiPath, at some point in time, when we had that massive growth, we were hiring 500 people per quarter, but that wasn't only between us three. We had bigger teams, okay. only that, for this particular project, it was a three people's project from the recruitment team that also had other uh, projects uh, ongoing. So I, understand. I think at some point we were at 40, 50 requisitions um, per recruiter. And I love to hear how you started your career. So the story of, uh, <laughs> of your career. <laughs> um, I think I've been a pretty normal person and I am a pretty normal person. It wasn't something like um, fantastic. Um, you know, there are those people who really know what they want from the beginning, uh, since they are young and who are very good at something like they know that they want to be doctors or architects and they put a lot of time and an effort to be the best there and achieve their dream. Yes. Um, I can say I'm more of a generalist. I went to one of the best high schools in Northeast of Romania and then chose European administration as, a, as my uh, degree, uh, where I had subjects from like a little bit of everything. Um, and at that time I had also an HR course and I fell in love because it, I don't know, it gave me a sense of purpose, helping and getting to know 
um, different people. That's why I'm actually love recruitment. I'm helping uh, a person find a better job. Um, and if it's not a better job, unfortunately, I cannot sell it. So um, from my <laughs> perspective, it is. <laughs> You're not a magician. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I, and I also help companies scale because at the end of the day, the backbone of organization is the people that they have within the, the organization. Um, so I help on both ends and couple that with learning a lot on, on, on the business side, it helps me have like that well-rounded vision, uh, from tactical to strategical as well. After college, I did an internship at the recruitment company. Okay. And then I um, got hired at Pentalog, which is a French outsourcing company. Um, initially, my focus was to build a Cluj technical team. But, you know, one thing led to another and I was doubling the Yash agency. Then I was helping on the Brashov one, uh, scaling <laughs> the Eucharist as well. Um, and before my end of career at Pentalog, um, I um, built from scratch a technical team for one of the startups um, Pentalog um, started to, to build. Um, I have learned a lot in that period of time, which basically helped me in my journey with UiPath. What are the key roles that you had at uh, UiPath? What was the evolution of your journey there? Um, as I said, initially I started uh, hiring technical people, but uh, then I had to start hiring salespeople, uh, marketing people, um, finance people, basically all the departments or the people that you can find in a company, uh, from the most junior to the most senior one, um, across geographies. I, um, obviously built the EMEA uh, team. I've also jumped in and helped, um, put the basis of the, um, Southeast Asia team. Uh, in parallel, I was also helping on the US until we found, um, new people there to bring in the talent acquisition team and then, you know, um, gave those responsibilities to them. So, yeah. Do you, have any, do you have any recommendations for existing uh, HR managers? Not people starting out, but uh, people are already <laughs> working in, uh, in, uh, in these uh, positions. Something that they can improve <laughs> based on their experience. I think... It's something that I said also earlier, but strive to be a true partner to your stakeholders. And that means upper management team and, and employees. Um, don't be afraid to say no sometimes. Um, obviously argumented um, and not just um, uh, saying no for the, saking, uh, for the sake of saying no. I think this is something that some HR people, talent acquisition people and so on um, forget that you know, they should sometimes push back because it's at the end of the day, um, also their work there and um, they have that power to, to influence uh, things for the better. Absolutely. And now I have one last question, which I typically ask all my guests. What's your favorite mm -hmm. SaaS product that you use? Um, I don't think I actually have a favorite SaaS product. I actually use or used multiple products depending on what I needed to do. Um, lately, I'm very keen on using Fathom to take notes because 
I don't really like to take that many notes <laughs> okay. during a conversation. I prefer to stay focused um, on the conversation. So this helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also using Riverside in my marketing activities. Um, I used to use different ATSs and I think I enjoyed working the most with Jobflight, which is simple and efficient. Um, iSIMS as well, which is more complex, but it's, you know, it lets you um, customize everything you want. Um, I also liked CultureAmp um, for the uh, as an employee experience platform. Um, there are a lot out there. So it depends at the end of the day what your needs are and finding the, the right tool for you. Thanks for sharing. Is there anything else that you want to tell us today on the podcast? Always strive to, to be better than you were to yesterday. Thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you as well for having me. <laughs>